Welcome to the Influencers Network podcast. I'm Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, and I'm going to be your host today. Uh, again, we're, we're doing these podcasts to just uh, kind of uh, challenge you guys and, and, and hopefully inspire you guys with uh, different uh, things that we're seeing uh, from our vantage point and from our view of the parade. Uh, there's a lot of exciting things happening with the ministry, but uh, there's also challenges with men out there. And we just want to kind of dive into some of these issues and, and get different perspectives from some of our men on what they're seeing. And uh, we've uh, been privileged to have our founder, Rocky Fleming, on a few of these podcasts. And uh, today um, I've got one of our global board members, Greg Hewitt, uh, who's on the global board member. He, he, he lives over here in uh, Springdale, Arkansas, or Tawnytown, actually. And uh, he's been part of Influencers for several years. And I've asked him to, to come in and, and tell a little bit of his story. There's something about uh, when a man gives a word of testimony of, of how God has worked in his life that it has a power to it. And, and I think of that verse in Revelation that says, they were saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And there's just something powerful about our testimony, uh, and I think it gives God uh, honor and glory and praise. And so... Uh, and, and also, there's always men out there, someone out there who I pray even today will relate to Greg's story, and this might help you in something you're going with. So I'm going to ask Greg to tell a little bit about his story and, and how uh, he has gone through some trials of life, and it, it's a testimony to the story and the journey of the inner chamber of, of how you got to go into that exercise room and, and have to face trials sometimes in order for God to really reveal who he is and, and the faithfulness that he has. So anyway, welcome, Greg. We're glad to have you this morning. Um, I just want to just uh, ask you to kind of start diving in a little bit about uh, how you came to know, uh, how you came to kind of, the other day, Greg shared his story at a, at a local gathering we had here in Northwest Arkansas called The Anchor. And uh, he kind of started with a key moment at, at going to a Promise Keeper conference. And I don't know if that's a good starting point, sure. uh, but just dive in a little bit, Greg, on, <clears throat> on your story. Okay, so um, I was 35 years old uh, and um, when I accepted Christ. And, you know, one of the things I told those guys a couple weeks ago is that one of the things I love about the journey is that journey to the inner chamber, that, that little black book that, um, that Rocky wrote, and how it describes the spiritual journey of a man. And over the years of taking guys through it, one of the things I love about the journey is how that story, when you take guys through that, they can always find themselves. And and it really is a great uh, replica of a man's walk, his spiritual journey. And so as I tell my story, I, I, I always tell guys, just consider when you tell your story and when I tell mine, how relevant the journey is. And that whole refugee scene and the castle and the inner chamber and all of that process, it's amazing as you go through your story how it's true, it fits that. And it's also amazing to me that of the hundreds of guys that you see go through it, they can all find themselves somewhere. We don't always like where we are, but every guy can find himself. And I think that's what's so great about the journey is it's so relevant because a guy can find himself. So when you look at that for me, well, I spent the first 35 years of my life in the refugee camp. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, I grew up in a home where my parents weren't church people. They'd had bad experiences with religion, and uh, they didn't have any interest in that, and so therefore I didn't. And so I grew up in a home where we weren't church people. And then I married uh, Jamie, and she grew up in the very opposite end of that. She grew up in a church family that was there two or three times a week, strong believers. And so she marries me, and so we're married, and our marriage is struggling. And, and uh, you know, I— uh, my life was just, you know, I was so lost. And it's interesting because, I, you know, at 35 years old, what's so relevant about the refugee camp is that as an outsider, if you're not a believer and if you looked at my life or even as a believer, if you looked at my work, my life from the outside, it looked so good. Uh, making a lot of money in a big position in a Fortune 100 company, beautiful wife, kids, all the stuff and fixings. I mean, big house, cars. Uh, you talk to me and you'd say, hey, here's a guy that's got it going on and has a great life. And uh, I, I thought so, too. And, and at 35, I had made this, you know, had so many promotions and opportunities and making so much money. But what was really interesting and brought about this salvation experience was that towards the end when I was 35, I had had a lot of these promotions. And I always used to think, if I get to the next level, it'll be okay. I'll, life will be fulfilled and, and I'll be content. And I'd get to that promotion and that, you know, next level of life, and it wasn't any contentment. So I only could assume it was the next level. And so I spent the first 35 years with the company just trying to get to the next level and make more money and have more stuff, only to get to this point where, which was beyond where I thought I'd get, and realize, where does this thing end? I mean, how do I ever get to that point? And it was funny because it was at that point that a friend from Tyson asked me to go to a PK event in Memphis. I didn't want to go. Uh, he was a very influential guy in the company. He asked me three times. Uh, I turned him down twice. Finally, I decided, hey, I can do anything for a couple days. And so end up on a bus going to Memphis with a busload of church guys who, I, you know, I thought, you know, that was a really strange experience. Get to the PK event. It was even stranger. So if you've ever been to one of those, you know, chanting, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And I was so, it felt so strange to me, and I felt so out of place. Uh, but at that event, God began to work on me. The first guy that walked up to the podium, uh, his, his, uh, his piece was, you know, as men, it's all about us, and it's about our career, and it's about getting to that next point, and we don't care about our families and our faith, and those deals, it's just all about us. And Man, I mean, that was me. I was sitting there listening to that as a 35-year-old guy going, hey, that's my life. That's what it looks like. I keep getting all this stuff and getting these promoting, doing this, and my life is my marriage is a mess, and and my life's a mess, and it looks good from the outside, but I'm not content and I'm not happy, and there's something missing. I can't figure out what it is. And then the next, so we go and spend the night in the hotel, and the next morning we come back, <clears throat> and we had a section where you get ten guys and pray for each other, and I didn't know these guys that I was with, and and in that, and in that prayer. God revealed to me just in a soft voice I could hear in my spirit was this void you've got it's only going to be filled with me it's what's missing is not more stuff what's missing is a, a relationship and so changed my life I mean it just immediately there was just huge change I decided at that point that I was going to follow him and as a guy who hadn't been in church or anything I had no idea what that looked like all I knew is that that was real and that I was going to follow him and so um, so get back home, uh, find out my wife had been praying for me for seven years, and, you know, that's because our marriage was a mess. And, 
and uh, get back home and decide, well, I'm biblically illiterate. I need to go to church and start figuring out how to be a Christian man. And so I got involved with a good Bible-believing church, and it, and uh, you know, they discipled me and they gave me some, they taught me some spiritual disciplines. Uh, and so my life began to to change uh, drastically. I had a hunger for the Word. I remember that was one of the first things I really remember is that I never had any interest in God's Word or anything about God's at all. But the day after that happened, I had a hunger for the Word, and I began to read God's Word. And I was in a church where they encouraged it to read God's Word every day, and so I did, and I began to grow. And so for the next 10 years, <clears throat> I, I grew spiritually, and God cleaned up a lot of things in my life. and improved my marriage, my marriage got better and just things got better. And so I'm still at Tyson. And so, you know, this goes on for 10 years. And then I realized that after 10 years, I realized that I, I had made, my life had grown so much spiritually, but all of a sudden I was, I flattened out. And I realized that I wasn't growing spiritually anymore. And at the same time, one of the things that was going on was that I was reading about the fruits of the Spirit and uh, love, peace, joy, patience out of Galatians. And, and, uh, and I, I didn't have those. And so, you know, I, I'm praying, you know, why don't, why don't I have that fruit? And why it seems like that's something, God, that you can just give me. But um, so I, I, I'm praying about this fruit. And this goes on. Matter of fact, I went back and looked at some of my journals. I, this went on for a year or so where I'm praying about these fruits of the Spirit and why don't I have them and why don't I get them and what do I have to do? And then, then, um, and I read John 15, and uh, it said that to have fruits of the Spirit, that you have to abide in Him. And about that time, what's interesting is about that time, I don't know if you remember or not, you sent me the journey to the inner chamber. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've got this stirring in my soul about I've flattened out, and I'm not growing spiritually, and I want these fruits of the Spirit, which I don't see in my life on a regular basis. And then you send me this book, Journey to the Inner Chamber. And so I said it in my book reading list and go on about my business and and uh, you know my career at Tyson uh, kind of takes a turn and uh, I'm beginning to wonder whether I'm going to stay or go and what what I'm going to do in my future and then here's this black book and one night I, I was up in the middle of the night and it was storming and I went and picked up that book you gave me and of course it you know it immediately gets to i read through the whole thing and you know first of all i get this scene of the refugee camp and i'm like god that's me and you know i've crossed this bridge and 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 i accepted christ and now i'm feeding in god's word and i'm learning and everything but this inner chamber that's my problem that's what i don't have that's why i've stopped i've stopped somewhere around this table and uh, uh but and so and then i read the you know the second half of that about gabe and you know, about the whole abiding piece. And then, you know, it's talking about abiding and that that's where the fruit is. So I, I call you and if you remember, and I said, you know, where do I get in this group? And so I got in the group and Rocky was leading it. Rocky and uh, Boyd Billingsley was the co-guide. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started in this group about, you know, and my deal was, okay, this is what I need. I need this intimate relationship with Christ. But really what I need is the abiding and the fruit piece. And, uh, the next thing that happens is back to the Tyson in my career. I'd been with him for 25 years, only place I'd ever worked. And there was a situation. I, I had been planning to leave there because I'd been in international for five years. I was planning on leaving the division I was in. I had been there six years over international, and I was trying all over, traveling all over the world. 
and I was really tired and looking to do something else. And so we had an agreement that I was going to go do something else in one of the domestic divisions. But then there was an issue came up with the situation in Mexico. And make a long story short on the Tyson deal, uh, I was let go for the first time in my life. I mean, I never even had a bad business review. And I was let go. And uh, so I left there, and this is while I'm going through the journey. And I, and I, at this time, I'm so prideful and arrogant about my abilities, and especially as it related to Tyson, what I could do. And, and uh, you know, people would call me and say, are you worried about, you know, if you're going to be okay leaving Tyson? And I tell them I was more worried about whether Tyson was going to be okay. Not sure, <laughs> not sure if they could make it without me or not. And, uh, and, but, I mean, that's really the way I looked at it. And I was just going to pick up and go somewhere else, and I didn't need those guys. And they needed me worse than I needed them. And I had a lot of opportunities. I could go work for somebody else or I could go start a company and I just move on and this was a good thing and I was excited about it and I'm going through the journey and uh, then what happened is I started a food company uh, people said don't start a food company you can't make it work uh, it's too hard to start from the ground floor I started it within six months we had national distribution on these products and we're in the black in six months it's unbelievable I'm like there's nothing to this deal it's a piece of cake which brought, probably brought about the next phase, which was we had a national recall, and we had product all over the country, and we had to come get it. So here I am. I'm in a journey trying to learn about trusting God and personal abandonment, and my life gets turned upside down financially. I mean, at this point, after leave, at leaving Tyson, I had big savings accounts, 401Ks, stock funds. Money was never concerned to me. I never even thought about it. Money. It was always there. I could be stupid rich one month and do stupid things financially. And the next month, it didn't even matter. It was just, you just moved right on. But this thing, financially, it was horrific. And we had to go pick up product, millions of dollars worth of product. We had to go pick it up. Uh, my partners, uh, you know, are frustrated, guys that I went to school with. But we, uh, you know, so it's a, it's a horrific deal. And um, then we get through that piece. And uh, we start another product line of food. We do the same thing again, where we start a new item. It looks great. It's selling. It has a problem. We have to go pick it up. Uh, and it's at this point, I begin to start to make some connections between that and the journey. That, you know, uh, at this point, all my life, I, from a work standpoint, I've been a fixer. I could fix things. I mean, if you just work harder, you work smarter. and. And I'd made a career around fixing problems just like I was experiencing, but I, these were so, I couldn't fix them. No matter what I did, I, I just couldn't fix them. Uh, and so I'm going through the journey, and again, I'm looking at this process where, uh, you know, I'm feeding on God's Word, and now I'm in a trial, and I'm in this terrible storm. And uh, I've got to trust Him. I've got to stay in God's Word. And... Um, and get through the storm and it was just one after the other it was it was the first food company it was the second line of products i got involved with a chinese chicken company where i was on the board and they paid me paid me well and gave me stock options and it took off and and then then it went south and it went bankrupt and we lost all all of that and through all of these deals i would survive them but it was through this process i feed in god's word uh, I did his promises out of his word. I claimed those promises, and I trust him to get me through it, and then we get through it. And, and I just rest and say, you know, you got me through that first piece. You'll get me through it again. And God came through again 
and again. Uh, and then um, I uh, started a, a toy company, and I didn't really have the financial wherewithal to do it because I'd lost so much in those in that food venture. But we started this food com- uh, this toy company, and I really didn't have the capital. But time and time again, God would come through. Just where the last minute we couldn't pay our bills, and God would you know, come through with a check from somewhere we hadn't even expected it at, at, at any time. So, you know, this was all an exercise that God was taking me through. And I believe he was really saying, if you want an intimate relationship, you're going to have to learn to trust me. And this was the process that he took me through um, to show let, me that he could trust me. Let me take you back to one point, and I, I don't know where this where this was in the story, but you told a story about how you couldn't sleep one night. You were up in the middle of the night, and it was bugging you because Jamie was sleeping like a baby, mm-hmm. and you woke her up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was that in the during the the food company, or was that that was pretty much in the worst? This was uh, this was in the food company, kind of at the worst of it. This was like the worst when it looked like we were going down financially. That all the cushion had been exhausted completely. Uh-huh. It was all gone, and um, my partners had left. This is after like two or three of these deals, and they're like, you know, they looked at me like, uh, you know, you look snake bit. I mean, you know, we had to get away from you. So we love you, but you're on your own. And so they pulled out. And so it was the worst of the worst. This is when I didn't really think we were going to make it. And uh, I was waking up in the middle of the night worrying, and you know how you do, you just toss and turn and like a door on its hinges. And uh, that night I woke up because I was thinking about my boys going to college. They were young, but my oldest one was fixing to go to college. And it just dawned on me I hadn't saved the money because I was in such financial great place that I didn't need to because it was just always going to be all this money. So the other guys that don't make a lot of money, they save for college. But when you got that much money, you're like, I don't need to save for college. So I hadn't. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting here going, the thought hit me that night, I'm not going to be able to put my boys through school. And so I'm laying there just thinking, we're not going to make it. And I look over at Jamie, and she's sleeping like a baby. And I, 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 my first thought was, is she so naive that she doesn't understand how dire our circumstances are? Hmm. Is she that naive? And so I'm like, and she's, why should she sleep when I'm worrying about it? So, you know, being the spiritual giant I am, I, I woke her up. I, I shook her and woke her up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And she looks at the clock, and she turns on the light, and she looks at me, and she says, what? And I said, what? What are we going to do? And she said, about what? And I said, oh, my gosh, Jamie, this our financial situation. I mean, I don't even know if we're going to be able to send our kids to college. I don't know if we're going to make it. And my wife looked at me, and she said, Greg, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to trust God, and he's going to take care of us. And she reached over, and she reached over and turned out the light and went right back to sleep. <laughs> and I was just, I felt like a little kid in the principal's office. I was, I just, her faith was so strong. Mm. And, and, and mine wasn't. I was scared to death. Mm. And, and that, was, that was a big deal. I mean, that, that, was, a, that was a really big, mm. a big event. Mm. So, so you guys, you made it through. I mean, and, and I know there's a gent- bunch of stories because you and I were yeah, yeah. you and I were conversing a lot because I was having yeah. my own crisis in my business in Tulsa. So we, right. we, we were going through similar deal. Misery yeah. loves company. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so I guess just try to try to sum up some of the some of the maybe some of the lessons you yeah. learn about yeah. this about this walk of faith and 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 I think I think one thing I'm learning is everybody's going to face trials. I yeah. used to hate that when they'd say you're either coming out of a storm, you're in a storm, or you're going to be sure. coming through one. But sure. 
I have to say it's the truth. <laughs> yeah, afraid it is, yeah. So give me some, uh, summarize some of the things you think, some epiphanies that you've yeah, had. Yeah, well, all this. you're right. We, we got through it, but it was like one event after the other. Yeah. And, but the process was, I had to always go back to the same because it's a process from the journey. So the storm hits, you stay in God's Word, He gives you promises, you hang out with people that are in God's Word, they send you promises, they encourage you, you should keep going, you trust, you rest, and you know what? You get through it, and it goes again. And so we went through that time and time again. We kept going through that process, and we finally got through it. The toy business took off. God began to restore things. But it was a seven-year process. But the result of all of those trials was that every time I'd survive a trial by using that process of being in God's Word and being in Christian, is that I'd be a little closer to Him, mm. and I trust Him a little more. Mm. And every time the storm hit, my knees shook a little less, and I had a little stronger faith. Because unlike Jamie, who has that natural gift of faith, I didn't. And so to me, the process was, that process, the net result was every time I went through a storm, I got closer to the center. And so that was what I was doing. So here's, here's yeah, there were some key, I think there were some key turning points. I'll, there were four of those I want to I touch on. And then there were some, I think, some real key learnings. So here's what were the big turning points when things began to turn around and change for me spiritually through this seven years. The first one was I realized that it's a game of trust. It's just like the journey. Personal abandonment, absolute trust. It's a game of trust. And through it, I felt, through that storm, I always felt God asking me, do you trust me? Mm -hmm. Do you trust me? And before, I would have said, yes, God is trustworthy, but I'd never experienced it before. It was just theory. And as Rocky says, experience trumps theory. I, through those seven years, God let me experience the fact that he is trustworthy. So one, it's a game of trust. Second thing that I remember looking back on it, and it's, again, it's about that story with Jamie, is that Somebody has to take the lead. When you're in a crisis and you're, you're the spiritual leader of the family, somebody has to take the lead. And it, it should be us. Now, in that situation, it started off, it wasn't me. It was Jamie. She's mm -hmm. the one that took the lead and turned the light on and said, here's what we're going to do. Oh. We're going to trust God. He's trustworthy. Mm -hmm. He's going to take care of us. Um, I wish I had taken the lead then. I didn't. But, you know, over, times, over time, I've learned to be able to do that. But at that point, in that crisis, in that storm, somebody had to take the lead. The third thing I'll, I point out as a turning point was the realization that someone has to give up on their ability to fix it. Matter of fact, everybody has to give up in the family on their ability to fix it. Again, I thought of my whole life as the fix-it guy. Mm -hmm. So it was extremely hard for me to get to a point where I'm saying, I can't fix it. I just kept fighting it and kept trying. Uh, but I remember a morning, uh, very close to the time, it was very close to the time where Jamie uh, kind of woke me up, where I remember being in my study, and it was really bad, uh, and I didn't know if I was going to make it. And I remember coming to the realization that I've got these two red chairs. They're still in my house today, two big old chairs you sit in. And I remember getting out of the chair, turning around, and putting my head in that chair and just breaking. Just I remember just weeping and saying, I can't fix this. Okay, I'll f I can't fix this anymore. This thing is beyond me. I can't repair it. I can't bring it back. I can't do this anymore. And I think, and I, I could even literally feel that day that it was like a load was off and things began to change. Just not that things just immediately got better, but spiritually there was something that happened. And I think God was just waiting on me to say, hey, it's yours. I can't do it anymore. So I think that's the third thing. Somebody has to give up on their own abilities. And then the last thing that was a huge breakthrough for me was that there was a series of two questions that God gave me, not at the same time, but he gave me two questions. 
Um, the first one was, I remember him asking me, do you think I'm sovereign? And I didn't, just like the guy standing in front of the sign in the journey, in the journey in the intimate chamber, the inner chamber, I didn't just immediately answer him. Uh, do you think I'm sovereign? And so I took a week or so and I, I agonized over that question. Is God involved in every aspect of my life as a believer? Is he responsible for everything that's happened to me in the last five years? All this stuff, all of this hardship, is he, did he allow that? And I struggled with that. But where I got the answer was, I love the book of Job, and I love the story of Joseph. So as I tried to answer that question, I went to those stories. And I let the Bible answer that question. And the story of Job and all the things that happened to him was God sovereign. And the answer was, he was. He allowed that to happen. So I looked at the story of Joseph, thrown in a well, taken to Potiphar's house, put in prison. Was God sovereign in that? He absolutely was. As a matter of fact, I remember when his brothers came to him years later after the drought, and Joseph told him, see what you meant for my harm, God meant for my good. Hmm. So I took those two stories and I said, God, I think you're sovereign. I think for whatever reason you've allowed this because you know what's best for me. So, yes, I think you're sovereign. And as soon as I answered that question, he asked me the second one. Do you think I'm good? And I didn't answer it immediately either. I said, I, I want to say you're good, but I don't know. And I took another week or so, and I remember laying in bed at night thinking, okay, if he's sovereign, he allowed all this painful stuff in my life, is he good? And I struggled with that. Because the painful trials in life, you wonder, how could a good God allow that to happen? And so I struggled with that. And so finally what I did is I went back to those two stories. And I said, okay, I'm gonna go back to Job. Was he sovereign? Absolutely. Would, would Job say he was good? I think he would. But he had to get to the end of the storms. He had to get through the process and then look back and see that God had a reason for that. And even Job would probably admit that at the end of the deal when things were restored and the knowledge, the deeper knowledge that he had of God, which is what he said was the real advantage of those storms, he would say it was good. It was good. Hmm. Look at Joseph. Would Joseph say that all that painful stuff was good? Not while he was in it, but look at what he did at the end. It was those storms and trials that allowed for the survival of his people and his family. So I finally got to a point where I said, God, I not only think you're sovereign, but I think you're good. And I'm telling you, that was huge. So the turning points, there were four things. I figured out, I really <clears throat> came to realize that it's a game of trust, this Christian walk. Second thing is somebody had to take the lead in faith. And the third one was that we got to give up our own, our own abilities to fix it. That was the third breakthrough. And the fourth one was just got to answer those questions: Is he sovereign and is he good? So those were, those were the key learning or key breakthroughs, really the the turning points for this spiritual seven year journey that we went through. I look back on it; those were the real turning points, the learnings. And man, I'll tell you, Jamie and I talk. We talk about it all the time. You know, what's different now than then? What did we learn? What did our kids learn? What's different in our families? What's different in our marriage? Then um, since the storm and and, and we we've written some of these down and so here's some of the learnings that we think we got through the storm the first one for me was a question of why i remember the first half of the storm all my prayers were around make this storm stop just make this stop 
stop the bleeding financially, give us, you know, bring us back to that position of being stupid rich, just make this stop. And um, after, you know, uh, after that, I began to realize that, you know, God has reasons for it, and it changed my prayer life. So the first question was why, and here's what I learned, and this is right out of the journey. If you guys remember the the secrets of the vine, Mm -hmm. you know, and the secrets of the vine where God, uh, you know, he uh, he, he takes us through storms for a variety of reasons. One is sometimes he disciplines us, that he disciplines us so we'll bear fruit, that our lives have sin and hindrances in them, and we have to get those out of the way. Well, you know, what did I tell you about my life? I mean, I was prideful and arrogant. Worried about whether Tyson was going to survive without me. I mean, it was, and, and that needed to go. And I think the first part of that trial was 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 discipline for me, and I had to deal with those things. Um, the second thing, if you remember, is sometimes God does it to prune us. It's not. Uh, it's so we'll bear more fruit. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know that was a reason. That was uh, part of the reason why I went through that. Now, another thing I noted was that is to reveal His character, just like Job. You know, He said, "Now I've seen you face to face," and I it, and. And through that experience, what happens is we become more intimate, so to reveal his character. And then the fourth thing that I've come to realize is God takes us through those storms in life so that we can help other people. Hmm. I look at people going through storms completely different than I used to. And I'm going to tell you, people who are going through financial struggles, I look at completely different than I used to. You know, uh, and so God, you know, God allows these storms in our life for reasons. So that was, that was one of the key learnings. Second thing, looking back on it, I've come to realize is that, you know, I call it hurricane wisdom. You know, there were things that I had in my life in place that helped me through the storm well before the storm ever hit. You know, I told those guys the other day, you, you see all these hurricane situations we've had. The news covers these people out putting plywood up on their houses and businesses before the storm hits. Mm-hmm. They're not out there doing that when the storm hits. Mm-hmm. When you're 69 on winds, you can't tack plywood up. Right. You got to do it before the storm hits. And I look back on that and realize that there were some spiritual disciplines in my life that I had been taught that really helped me. You know, things like, you know, feeding in God's Word. I, I always loved God's Word, and I was journaling, and I was writing those things down, and I had a group of people around me. I had surrounded myself with godly people who, through these storms, were sending me encouragement. I mean, they were sending me things. I was getting Bible verses and devotionals from people that really helped me get through it. And then another one that I put down is that Early on in the process, I bought into this principle of tithing, and 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 and, I, and we had always done that. And even when this financial storm hit and the cushion went, we never stopped. We always tithe. We always God gave that first ten percent, even when there wasn't a lot there. And I believed, you know, that that I, through that whole process, as bad as it got, we never missed a payment. And I think that's part of it. I think there's there's God tells us that that's an area that we can test Him. And we did <laughs> during that during that storm. But I mean, I think those are the things that we had in our the, those spiritual distance we had before we had this, before the storm hit, and they helped us. So I think that's the thing I encourage my boys to do: build these things into your life before the storm hits. Um, and that brings me to my third key learning that I I put down was that take your family on the journey. You know, we looked at this along the way at some point, like their college deal, and there were be, going to be implications to them. And we could either shelter them and hide it and just hope they didn't notice, like there's no problems, or we could bring them in and we could actually have them go on this journey with us. And we made a big point to take our kids along. We asked them to pray. We told them what we were faced with. We told them how we were trusting God. We needed them to pray. 
And so looking back on it, I mean, it was a great experience because now my kids are 25 and 23. And I mean, the people that know me and know my family, they know I'm, they will, they will have a big test or a big career deal. And they're, they're getting my friends to pray for them. Hmm. Why? Because they experienced that. They saw God's faithfulness and his trustworthiness. And so they want it for themselves. And so I think, Jamie and I think, that the reason they do that is because they went along on that journey and they saw that God was faithful. Hmm. A lot and, of times we think we're supposed to hide things from our kids. Sure. You know, protect Let's don't talk about money situation. We yeah. don't want to burden our kids. Yeah, don't worry. But we're, we're supposed to train our kids up, right? Yeah. How do yeah. you train them? Yeah. we got to teach them how to be ready for the storms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's funny. We, we want to protect them or, yeah. or shield them and we're not. We're not doing them any favors because you're right. Because someday they're going to face their storms. That's right. Yeah. So I think that was something that we we felt like was important. Um, the other thing is just I came away from that, Jamie and I both, with a strong feeling that we don't need to forget what we went through. We don't need to forget the storms, but more importantly, we don't need to forget how God was there for us and that He was trustworthy. And as a matter of fact, I, I showed it that. Uh, um, at the anchor the other day, I showed something I have in my office, which is these collage of sticky notes that's got to be two or three hundred strong now. And where it started was a friend of mine during this process, this storm, a friend of Jamie's actually sent me uh, the Bible verse, 1 Samuel seven twelve, And it says that Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, up until now the Lord has helped us. He wanted the Israelites not to forget where they'd been and how God had protected them and delivered them. And so, you know, I just took that and put one note up where God did something to get us through this, and then it was another and another. But over seven years, you get a lot of notes, you know, because if you've ever been through that, I mean, it's just constant. You know, you, God is constantly either encouraging me. It might be a Bible verse. It might be a, a devotional piece someone sent me, or it may be actually some where God paid a bill or something. But now that thing's huge. It's, there's a couple of hundred pieces in that. And, and so, you know, we wanted to keep that for the same reason they did. We don't want our kids and our people in our business. It's in my office now. And my employees walk in and look at it. And we, they'll ask me, what is, what is all that? And I'll tell them because we don't want, Jamie and I don't want to forget. We don't want our kids to forget. We don't want the people around us to forget where we've been and how God was so, was so faithful. And then the last thing that I think was a key learning is that during the trials, uh, God showed us the importance of relationships. And I really don't think prior to the trial I really got that. So independent, don't need people, you know, just do your own thing. And through that trial, man, I'm tell you, I learned that I need godly people around me that are in God's Word. I need, I need guys around me that are going to send me the Word and that God can speak to and say, call him, text him, email him. And it happens so many times. Not only Jamie's friends, but I'd be going down the interstate going to the plant that I had all these problems at and I just didn't want to go and I get this ding on my phone and I look down and this friend of mine had sent me a word. I remember one I pulled over on the side of the road. It spoke so to my heart about what was going on. I mean, I just sat on the side of the road and wept. Um, but you know what? you got to have friends like that in your life. You know, I tell my boys, you tell, to have a friend, you got to be a friend. Mm -hmm. And those those are those relationships you, you got to have around you before the storm hits and you got to have those kind of guys. And so that's one thing that, that God really showed me is the importance of having, you know, the fellowship, having people around you that are going to breathe 
God's word into you in those storms. Because I tell you, nobody encourages like God can, but a lot of times He'll do it through other believers. So those are some of that. I think those are the key turning points, okay. and I think they're the key learnings. I mean, it was uh, my marriage has never been stronger. You know, I tell people I like my wife a lot before this storm. She's a great wife. You know, all, if you look at it as a man, the functional aspects of a wife, she had them. But did I love her? Not really. But I promise you, after that night. When I realized that no matter what happened, she wasn't going anywhere, I fell in love with my wife mm. Mm. for the first time. I mean, so, again, you know, is God good? Well, it was very painful. Were there some good things that came from it? Now that I'm on the other side, yeah, there was a lot of good things. Stronger mm. marriage, stronger friendships, a better understanding of God. I mean, all these things. Kids that understand that storms come and it's where you're going to go with them and how you're going to handle them. So, you know, I think there were some good that came out of it is it painful yeah but mm. you know well and, and it's hard to measure the character that God has built in you and the faith you said faith wasn't one of your strong suits I bet you have more faith now than you did back sure. then you yeah. know and and so not so, because I know anymore I just experienced it you experienced it and I, but I I just uh I'm just sitting here thinking about who might be listening out there men or, or women who just stumbled upon this or someone forwarded or they actually opened the email and, and listened to it and I guarantee there's people out there going through some sort of trial that seems overwhelming seems like they're not going to make it through and I just hope they're encouraged today to know God is faithful mm-hmm. God is sovereign God is good yeah he loves them yeah. and he cares about them and and he he lets us go through some of these things because he loves us that's so hard to get our brains oh, around yeah, yeah. You know, because we think a good daddy just always takes care of everything, yeah, right? Yeah, anything you know? like this happen to me. Yeah, so, well, thank you, Greg. I think this was very helpful, and uh, I hope you all have been blessed by this. Um, again, this is our Influencers uh, podcast, our Influencers Network podcast, and uh, I want to just say out there, if you're if you're interested in, in finding more out about the journey, which is a process that will help you learn how to have an abiding relationship with Christ, it will help you in your, your day of trouble or just help you have a better life and have have the life God intended for you. Go to our website, influencers.org. Uh, that's also where you find these podcasts. And we also have an email set up. If you have an idea for a future podcast or a question that you've got that you'd like to see us address, and uh, you just send us an email at podcastquestions at influencers.org, and we will see if we can put that into one of our future podcasts. But thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed, and uh, we look forward to our, our next joining you on our next podcast. God bless you. Thank you.